0: and load this is Steve Dace the Steve Dace show and greetings happy Thursday welcome to the Steve Dace show live and on demand here on blaze TV radio and podcast my name is Steve Dace Todd Erzin is here with me as well day two of three here live from Dallas home of the blaze Aaron Uh, Our friend and producer continues on his honeymoon, so we didn't want to take a bunch of vacation time in Iowa in the dead of winter when there's total and complete desolation over a foot of snow fell the day before we flew down here. So we thought, uh, let's let's save that precious time for a time that we actually would prefer to use it. So we're here working without Aaron, which means some of the things and elements that you love about our program are, are a little stripped down. This is more of, uh, of the Steve Day show, Unplugged, uh, without uh, Aaron on lead guitar, right? So um, we've been working on themes. Yesterday's theme was uh, an obnoxiously early look. At the 2024 GOP presidential primary, a topic which makes Todd's ears bleed and his eyes gouge. But I think we handled it with okayness. I rallied. Yeah. I was there for you. <laughs> yes, you rallied. Yes. Yes. Today's theme is we're going to talk about the nature and the recognition of evil. Our, our entire show today is a Theology Thursday. Evil. What is it? Can we quantify it? You know, the classic definition of obscenity. Uh, in Kentucky, the, the famous Supreme Court case, Kentucky versus Sanford, and the Supreme Court justice said, you know, obscenity, I, I can't define it. But I, I know what it is when I see it, right? <clears throat> Can we define it? Do we know what it is when we see it? Why do we have to know? How is it at work in our culture today? One of the big topics that's going on right now is to boil down the whole story. Uh, essentially, average Americans on a website decided to take away, take uh, advantage of the same kind of market manipulation, the, the 1% hoi polloi use, via hedge funds, every day, to essentially take a stock market that is supposed to be a place of of regulated, objective speculation about the value of corporations and their practices, right? But instead, they've manipulated it into a a form of a lottery, a bubble, via these hedge funds. And a group of everyday Americans kind of decided, you know, we, we, we can't get Nine or ten of us to you know put in 10 15 million each into one of these things, but we can get thousands of us to put in 1500 bucks or 2500 bucks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so let, let's let's do this, let's do what, what they're doing. And you're watching the system now the day after it worked, you're watching, uh, and we can call it um the all the oligarchy, you can call it the spirit of the age. To me, the oligarchy is the physical manifestation of what's really at work in our culture. That That's a spirit of the age. But what we're really talking about is we're trying to name and quantify evil. Wealth for me, but not for thee. Uh, shorting stocks for me, but not for thee. Tolerance for me, but not for thee. And when you see stories like this, you can't help but start thinking to yourself, where are we going as a country right now? I mean, I've got text messages from friends of mine involved in politics all over the country that are incensed at what they're watching take place right now on Wall Street. And none of them would ever be caught dead voting for an Elizabeth Warren but a lot of us kind of sound like her right now because this isn't capitalism. Now, we would argue that what Elizabeth Warren wants in, instead is to further empower the very system of big government and getting its tentacles involved and in big business and everything else that has led us to this place. But our complaints sound a lot like a speech an Elizabeth Warren would make. And it sure seems like when the, when the plebs... I the peasants decide, you know, we'd like to get a piece of the action. and The system comes and crushes you. We have a two-tiered justice system. We've talked about that on our show before. And now you can see we've got a two-tiered market system as well. We don't have free speech and free markets in America. We have approved speech and approved markets. That's how the oligarchs, that's how the spirit of the age prefers it. And that has a lot of us wondering, this can't continue like this. I mean, we're, we're heading to something here some, some tipping point is on the horizon for us as a people that's why you need to be prepared and this seems like a really awkward time to do our first live read of the show but actually it, it, it's kind of fitting because a year ago at this time if I'd have told you about my patriot supply and said hey you know they got to run on TP right now load up you never know <laughs> You would have emailed me and said, Dace, this is the lamest live read ever. And then March happened. And now it's almost a year later, and when you go to your local Costco, at least this is the case with mine, you are still rationed with how much toilet paper you can buy. In this, the richest, freest country on earth. The next time, it it might be food. Food. And it might be a natural disaster. We've seen grocery stores empty out in hours. The food from My Patriot Supply it stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage, so that you never go hungry or stand in food lines. Uh, they are America's leader in survival food. A four-week food kit that gives you the 2,000 calories a day you're looking for, and right now you can save $70 off of that four-week food kit. off the four-week food kit right now when you go to preparewithdace.com. Get the emergency you need um, before the emergency, right? Your four-week kit arrives discreetly in your door in just a few days if you don't look like a whack job in front of your neighbors, right? So now is the time to prepare for the future. Visit preparewithdace.com. That's preparewithdace, D-E-A-C-E, preparewithdace.com. We planned this show today last week, not knowing the events that were going to transpire on Wall Street, right? Right. Which is just the latest manifestation of the spirit of the age versus everybody in America. And we're definitely going to want to know what you think about what we think following today's show. Email us, steve at com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can uh, find us, look for Steve Dace, uh, my last name, uh, on Facebook. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, We're up on Rumble at Steve Dace Show. uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. MeWe, uh, look for Steve Dace there as well. So there's a lot of different ways that you can engage with us. For us um, today, as we discuss an entire episode devoted to theology. Thursday, we need a we need a MacGuffin. We need a we need a device to spur on uh, the plot of, of the show, so to speak. And and we have been spending the last few months going back through my book, A Nefarious Plot, which we are working. I mean, I was working uh, on part of it this morning uh, before we came in here. We're we're working on the script for the film right now as we speak. And. Um, it's funny, when, when Todd, when I proposed we do this sometime around middle of last year, we're looking ahead, hey, where do we, what do we do next after this current Theology Ther- uh, Thursday series ends? And I suggested, you know, I just did it, frankly, because my m- the sequel book, Nefarious Carol, was going to come out in December, and I figured, hey, we can time this up, that we could go through its predecessor to kind of set the stage for the sequel, not really understanding... How uncomfortable, how unsettling it was going to be to look back on these words written over five years ago now and see how it seems like we are literally living through something that was meant to be a theological warning when I wrote it, but in a, in a, in, in really a satirical form. It wasn't necessarily meant, the, the warning was meant to be taken literally, but the events described, not necessarily so, right? Yes. And, and it's, it's. We ha- we've paused it a few times because we had um, election uh, month and a half uh, instead of election day in America, right? And, and so we're at the end of the book now. And I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to getting to the end of it. I am too. Uh, it, it is um, overwhelming. It, it, it hits too close to home. I've gotten so many emails from uh, people that have just now heard about this book and are reading it and sharing it with people. And there's a chance we may sell more copies of A Nefarious Plot this year. Uh, or it, in the last calendar year, I guess we'll say, than we did the year that it came out. And we sold quite a few the year it came out. Um, as people are like, how did I not know about this before? And then how did this book nail it? Uh, I want you to know, I wasn't intending to nail anything. I was intending to, it was supposed to be a warning. And I was actually, in, in my mind, when I wrote this, I mean, it was published in, in the first quarter of 2016, but I, the manuscript was finished in the, by the middle of 2015. When I wrote this book, I was attempting to be, how's Rush Limbaugh described it over the years, using absurdity in order to illustrate absurdity, right? I was attempting to take what was going on culturally at the time to ginormous, ridiculously radical conclusions you know, like a scared straight episode of Sally, Jesse, Raphael when we were kids, sure. when the parents drop their bratty, uh, bratty kids off at the boot camp and they get or the jail cell right. and they get scared straight, right? I didn't think that like some of this stuff would actually go down or at least not imminently. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I mean, I tried to kind of gaze into the future. I'm like, hey, man, if we don't turn back here in like 20 years or so, where are we at? You know, I tried, to, I tried to like write that book with 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 an a purposeful, ridic, somewhat ridiculous bent. Not knowing that just a few years later, I would be broadcasting what this book foretold like a play-by-play announcer. So I know for a lot of you that are just now reading it, you're like, oh, this is not a spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down, right? Well, think about the guy who wrote it. I go back and look at it sometimes and I'm like, I wits. I I literally wits as I'm reading through this, which is why I decided today if we're going to have a conversation about evil, we should really let, let evil set the stage. We should make everyone truly aware of what it is we're talking about. So I want to start off our conversation. You know, I I patterned this book. As an homage to C. S. Lewis's screw tape letters. And I, I and the whole pref the, the whole premise of this book is what if we took Lewis's incredibly imaginative idea of getting to stare into the mouth of madness and he and listen in as it speaks back to you. Uh, the other side of the looking glass, how does hell really operate? And he masterfully portrays this. In the temptation of us as individual people, but what about the takedown of an entire culture? What if we took it next level, right? One of the ways that Lewis's book uh, exploded uh, with with the audience is he was he would read it at night on the BBC during the Battle of Britain during World War II. I mean, when the when the Nazis when the Germans were we're we're bombing Londoners, bombing the cities of England to smithereens, and and the people were hunkered down underground, you know, waiting for the bombing the nighttime bombing runs to end, you'd tune into the BBC and, and Lewis would be reading this book. And so now that we are at the end, the final conclusion of a nefarious plot. If I'm going to write an homage to Lewis, let's go all the way with it. Okay? Now that we as a people, I think, you know, you and I had a conversation with, with somebody yesterday. I won't out them. You and I had a conversation of existential nature for about a good, what, half hour, oh, 45 yeah. minutes yesterday? Absolutely. Contemplating themes that even a year or two ago, we would not have, we might have thunk it and thought, nah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and And let alone, hey, let's sit down and hash this one out, right? Yeah. And I think now is the time. I've never done this before. But I think now is the time for us to hear, before we get into the questions we have, the the themes that are raised, I I think we need to hear from Nefarious himself. I think we need to let let the deceiver out of its cage. And I, I think we need to let Let nefarious' words not just hear from him, himself, but let those words speak for themselves before our analysis steps in and provides our own take on it. The conclusion of a nefarious plot is titled Judgment. And in this conclusion, nefarious... nefarious connects all the final dots... Of why he has done this to us. And he says, It's moments like this that keep us going. You may wonder why we keep doing what we're doing down here. We've also read that dreadful book talking about the Bible. So we know in the end, you know who, meaning God, brings the hammer down upon us. Many of you think it's because we don't really believe the words of that dreadful book that we are so into deception, we're even deceiving ourselves but it's the exact opposite, actually. We keep doing what we're doing because we believe the words of that dreadful book. We do it in acknowledgement of the fact our dear old dad could vanquish us at any moment. We are masters of deception, but we are not idiots. We know we are not the most powerful force in the universe. He is. My master doesn't claim to be more powerful, just more clever And you are my master's ace up the sleeve to prove his cleverness to the maker, to prove once and for all humanity is nothing more than the first and worst mistake our deadbeat dad ever made. That he should have listened to our rebellion and now he can make it right by welcoming us back to our rightful place in his throne room where we belong and should never have been exiled from in the first place. When we rebelled, we didn't truly expect to win. We're not nearly as dumb as you bags of meat. We were angels. We lived in physical proximity of you-know-who every moment of the day. We literally felt his presence as you never have. We know his awesome power and might. Even the demons believe and tremble, remember. We rebelled because we wanted to make a point, to get his attention, to show him that you were making him soft. That it was unfair how tough he had treated us by compelling us to serve him endlessly while at the same time giving you free will to do as you please. We had freedom as well, but it had limits. We couldn't disobey him outright, even if we wanted to. Just as you meatbags create enmity among siblings when you're tougher on your firstborn children and then your baby, your ensuing kids, and then baby, your ensuing kids all the more. So it was with us, him, and you. He gave you the power to populate. He gave you the power to make and originate powers. He had never given us. He created Adam and made him his vicar of this world authority. He had never granted any of us. He then created Eve to fulfill Adam's longing for intimate partnership and with another. And she was even more beautiful and graceful than Adam was. We had never even been given the option to have such a longing, let alone to have that longing met. Thus, my master devised a plan to test you in order to prove to our deadbeat dad that creating you was a mistake. And if he didn't abort you now, he would most certainly regret it later once your full destructive potential was unleashed upon the creation. So my master first entered into your world disguised as a cunning serpent. He challenged Eve directly first as a means of testing Adam's metal. To see if Adam was really ready to be the leader he was created to be. Would he defend his love? Would he come to her aid? Would he interpose on her behalf? These are all characteristics exhibited by our deadbeat dad regularly. If Adam were truly made in his image to the point of being given ultimate freedom, then Adam would freely choose to do the same. Except he didn't. Adam chose to remove himself from the equation, giving my master a free shot at Eve and leaving her defenseless. One-on-one, neither Adam nor Eve were any match for my master. But had they stood together, had the two of them become one, as you know who intended them to be, with their combined strength, they could have thwarted my master's scheme. But they didn't choose oneness. They chose to go it alone. Worse yet, Adam eventually did step in, but not to defend his wife, but to join in the fall. Still not all hope for you was lost. Even later, when our deadbeat dad confronted Adam on what had happened, Adam could have thrown himself upon the mercy of the court. He could have begged for forgiveness, and I'm pretty confident that sorry sap we call our creator would have fallen for it. In fact, we expected Adam to do exactly that, which is why we weren't celebrating down here quite yet, quite yet. Thankfully, Adam proved the cleverness of my master true once more when he instead chose to make excuses, claim victim status, and pin the whole thing on the woman he had begged our dear old dad to make for him. In short, Adam actually blamed his maker for his freely chosen fall. There was no repentance in Adam's heart, only rebellion and self-righteousness, just as all of you, his progeny, possess in your innermost being to this very day. If this were not true, we wouldn't have the long record of success we have. Not to mention the high body count. You demand to be freed from the authority of your maker. You see his commands as oppressing you. But then when he permits you the freedom to make decisions on your own, and they fail as you almost always do, you turn right around and have the audacity to blame him for allowing the consequences resulting from your freely chosen actions to happen. You want it both ways. You want to be able to do what you want to do whenever you want to do it, but then not be held accountable for the subsequent disasters that so often ensue. Basically, you are the universe's spoiled brats. My brilliant master had you pegged from the beginning, from those very first meat bags to the meat bags reading this now. He has been right about you all along. Yet our deadbeat dad continues to reach out to you anyway. He desires to forgive you and show mercy anyway. He pursues you anyway. He sent the carpenter to redeem you anyway. Meanwhile, we, his firstborn, remained exiled from our rightful home. But thanks to you, I am confident that will soon change. My master has been planning for this day for a long, long time. This will be a day long remembered, the day that we prove to our deadbeat dad once and for all that he should have never made you, that he should erase you from the memory card of history, wipe the slate clean of the creation, which has been groaning for eons ever since your first plodding footsteps hit pay dirt. That instead of throwing us into some infernal lake of fire, he snaps his fingers and you never were. And we return to the way things were before. Back to the way things ought to be. When we, not you, were the apple of his eye. When we were like the most high. Before the odorous residue of your various discharges infested this place. So we turned our attention to you, America. To make our stand, for you were the first nation birthed in the carpenter's teachings and bred in the words of that dreadful book from the very beginning. As it says in the first of your founding documents, the Mayflower Compact, you were first founded for advancements of the Christian faith. We believe that by making a nation such as yours, established on the principles of his laws, as well as a proper view of history, and corrupting it to the core we will finally win the argument of the ages, you no longer deserve to exist and probably shouldn't have existed in the first place. And now we come to the end game, the moment hell has been waiting for. For a demon such as me, this is the culmination of my life's work. When we tempt you with the evil we really, you really desire, watch you succumb to it and then get to accuse you of your evil deeds before you know who. We are now in the court of you-know-who. We, the prosecution, have presented the evidence against you, and it is substantial, and it is incontrovertible. Despite your voluminous faults and failures, you're a barrel full of monkeys. We get to show you the trough of sin, but you freely drink from it, and then he has to judge you for it. Except that's not even the juiciest part. He has to judge you for it up there so you face temporal consequences for your evil while on earth. But then we get to torment you for it down here for all of eternity. A double whammy. You know, you could escape this vicious cycle if you just cried out for the carpenter to save you. Go ahead, do it, I dare you. See if he's real. See if he comes to your aid. You're thinking about it. But you don't want to be seen as one of those religious nuts nobody takes seriously anymore, do you? Of course you don't. Then there's all the fun things you'll have to give up and that's what makes life worth living, right? Besides, you've done so many bad things already, he probably wouldn't save you anyway, even if he is alive after all. You're a lost cause. We both know it. So eat, drink and be merry. For tomorrow we die. Your debased minds have now been unleashed for you have been given what you demanded. Your bondage. Oh wait, you might think that is a typo of some kind that that you demanded your freedom instead except there is no freedom outside of you know who in fact there is absolutely nothing worthwhile for you outside of you know who you have demanded my master's way of doing things and now your lives are the ways of my master you are the very disgusting people described in this passage because outside of the grace and mercy offered by the carpenter this is your species This is why you must be born again in a spiritual sense. Your earthly forms are rancid. My master didn't make you do any of this. You chose it. Yes, he lied to you for sure, but that's just his way. If you allow a scorpion to crawl up your leg, do you blame it for stinging you? What did you think was going to happen when you embraced our propaganda, when you bought the lemon we sold you? Did you honestly believe what we sold you as freedom was really that? Foolish bags of meat. I'd almost pity you if I didn't already find you the most detestable beings in all of creation. Thankfully, I now get to watch the oppression you have collectively purchased run its course. The only thing better than watching your combined debauchery obliterate one another is knowing that our deadbeat dad will do far worse. For there is nothing worse and more terrifying in this universe than to be on the receiving end of his wrath, especially after he has offered you countless opportunities to avoid it. My heart races knowing That he will now have to punish you for for falling from my scheme. And that when he does, I will be given a permanent place at the right hand of my master's side. That I will soon be hearing these sweetest words from my master. Every demon longs to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And you know what? Even if I'm wrong and our dear old dad doesn't determine your fall from grace seals humanity's fate, I'll at least take some comfort in watching you assume the position on the ash heap of history nevertheless. Because if we're going down, we're taking all of you down with us. After hearing this is maybe when one of your preachers, still faithful to his calling, will urge your people to repent and seek reformation in your churches and homes all in the hopes this will inspire you-know-who to send revival to you. Maybe they will even be sincere in their clamoring. But we both know it's too late for that. See you soon. Mene, Mene, takele a parson. You know, I just read through that last night again, <laughs> getting ready to do this today, and uh, wow. I mean, wow. The last will and testament of Lord Nefarious, his final words, the final words of a nefarious plot. we've now heard from evil out in the open unfiltered no chaser what are we prepared to do about this that is now the discussion we will be having on the rest of this program today it's time to think this through and to take action We'll have that conversation when we come back. Well, um, you, you, uh, you may need a drink uh, after that. <laughs> All right. Luckily, it's a great time for me to talk about our partners over at uh, Bonner Private Wine. No dyes, no flavor additives, uh, just, um, uh, just great flavor um inky red wine from vine from vineyards that are miles from civilization extreme altitude vineyards uh, up to nine thousand feet in argentina blackberry leather smoke uh some dark cherry um you and i've had a chance to try these wines oh yes they are more than try <laughs> yeah uh let's just say i i needed several confirmations of my initial assessment um and so you're
1: serious about this you're you know, you're a man of reason and science. I, I right. am.
0: You know I, you know me. I'm hey, Dude, I, I just follow the data. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And I just, the first sample was um, the model. that I, The model from the first sample I thought was, was, was too positive. And, you know, I, I just wanted to verify it. I wanted to try it. So I ran that model back with two or three more glasses. And I've confirmed that, uh, you know, this stuff's uh, pretty darn good. Yeah, my,
1: my yeah. wine tasting spreadsheet is fully filled in multiple
0: it, columns. It, yeah, and the algorithm works backwards and yes. forwards. All right. So it's uh it's it's, it's a solemn or it's a uh, it, it's a solid metric then that you're working yes. with. That's good. Uh plus our listeners and viewers right now here at Blaze TV. Uh you get 50% off of shipping today when you go to patriotwine2021.com. All right? No inflated prices. Top quality foreign wine for about half the price. 50% off of shipping today as well at patriotwine2021.com. Again, that's patriotwine2021.com. All right, so now we have heard—we've uh, heard from evil. We let it out. We gave it a platform, um, and now, for the rest of our theology Thursday-themed show today, Todd, we need to have a conversation about where we go from here. How does this apply to where we are right now, and as a people in our own culture? And and now that we have this knowledge, right? It's kind of hard just to be to to be exposed to this reality, and then you're like, "Cool story, bro." Um, Let's tap the free refills. Well, right now, by the way, you can't tap free refills. Like anywhere in America, they're all shut down because of a virus that uh, that you know for almost anybody um, under the average American life expectancy has an over ninety nine percent recovery rate. Right. 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 So. You can't even you can't even go get your free refills right now if you wanted to. So we're we're we so evil has a captive audience. What do we do now? Where's the conversation go from here?
1: Well, the first question I think we need to ask ourselves is when you wrote this. It was 2015 and 2016. Mm-hmm. And to distill it down, it's very much turn or burn, which is what profits have been saying, and yes, I, 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 we've had those conversations many times, this is a prophetic work, and it's not one you took lightly. We talked about this at the guts of this thing, and you, you showed me the first chapter. I said, I don't think you, you know what I think about your skills.
0: I don't think you can sustain this, you told I don't, this, I you don't told think me. you can sustain this. Yeah, meaning at some point it would become self-parody. At some point your own viewpoints would bleed yes. into this. You, you could not sustain this. Singular entity of this character to tell this story all the way through, uh, not, all the way through the book.
1: Not to mention what happens when you stare in the mouth of madness. I right. mean, the prophets tell you in scripture, yeah, not so much. Can I take a rain check on this and you know go to Nineveh? So this happens over and over and over again. Yet faith ultimately is not fully understanding. You simply go well, but it. This is the slippery slope. Where are we at on it? Well, the the point of the devil's book and what we're all feeling right now and asking ourselves as you reflect, and when you tell me like this, so when I read my own words back to myself, what a mind scrabble it is. Well, that means you're pretty close to the mark. Is there, my first question to you is, do we still have time for turn and burn? Because he's telling you, we're just at burn stage. There's no more time to turn. And mm-hmm. I know I walk around a lot thinking about my daughter's lives and trying to project for them and get them ready for college as they're recruited for things. And I have a split personality disorder because right. I don't know if that's real right. anymore. Are we just burning? Is there any more time to turn? Because that's a million-dollar question.
0: Meaning you feel almost trite and, and also kind of um, naive To be plotting out, hey, where should my daughter go to school? Should we move to be closer to her? You know, the average conversations you would have, but yet you have this, because of what you do for a living, you serve on the front lines of a culture war, basically, for a living. You are going to be more informed than the average American about what's the brink that we are approaching, right? Yeah. And so at the same time, you're like, is it, you know, why am I plotting these things out for years in advance when I don't know what's going to go down in six months, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've lived through 2020, and then
1: everybody had the dream, oh, thank God, this one's over. How's 2021 hey, going? You
0: want You talk about prophetic... Well, you know what I think. I actually think 2021 is improve, is an improvement, but maybe not for the reasons that a lot of other people were hoping. But you talk about prophetic utterances. I remember the day that, towards the end of 2016, when you just casually said on the show, do you thought 2016 was bad, 2017 was going to be worse? And I, I remember... The, the 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 look I had on my face so angry at you you were because you were like the guy you know who says uh, man I lives in like some northern community that's enjoying a a, a mild winter and says man I, I just can't believe we haven't had any serious snowfall right everybody hates that guy because you know tomorrow, Uh, blizzard warnings, right? He Don't speak it it into existence. Yes, yes. Don't, don't throw that out there. You know, we we are all aware. Keep it, keep that on the down low. Right. Okay. And I kind of felt like you did that when you said, Hey, do 2017 is going to be even worse? And, and you were right. And I hated you for the fact that you saying that I had been operating under the delusion that it could not be worse than this. And you saying that sort of jarred me back to a reality of why, why couldn't it be? All these impulses that made 2016 what it was, why, wouldn't they, why would not they just go to bed? Because the calendar turned to 2017, right? Right. Right. And I remember how I felt when you said that. I wanted to kick you because I knew you were probably right. And I, I just didn't want to have that acknowledged. I think you're kind of feeling the same way I was about asking me that question. Here's what I think. Number one, if your worldview begins... You know, what, what sets Christianity apart from every other worldview system that's ever existed on this earth, in my opinion, there are two things. One is debatable. The other is not. What What is debatable is I believe Christianity is the only worldview, having studied pretty much all of them, I think Christianity is the only worldview that sufficiently... Now, make sure you follow exactly the wording I'm using here. I didn't say satisfactorily. Is that what I said? No. That I say it was a satisfyingly um, uh, uh, explanation? No. Did I say it was a warm, fuzzy one? That I say it was particularly edifying? Which is no. my point about right. prophetic
1: wisdom. It doesn't yeah. always sing a song you like. That, that's right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't say it had a good beat and you could dance to it. But But sufficiently, sufficiently can answer the key questions of humanity. Why are we the way we are? Why is the world the way that it is? And what can be done about it? It's just the math. It's the, yeah, I don't it. like the math. I, I don't like it. I don't. Okay? I wish I could have some of that worldview and some of that worldview and some of that morality and some of that behavior kind of, and I, I wish I could pick and choose at the delicatessen of the universe, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and create my own Frankenstein of an answer for these questions. We, every time we try that, it's, it's a disaster. It's, it's what the history books are about. Christianity, in my opinion, now you can disagree with this one, you can disagree with me on this, but in my opinion, as someone who has explored the worldviews at play in our in our world more than the average bear, it's the only one that intellectually satisfied me from a sufficiency standpoint. It, it didn't satisfy me from a um, an Attaboy, here's a helmet sticker standpoint, but it, but intellectually, the math, as you said, the math worked backwards and forwards. The other thing that's unique about Christianity, that I don't think it is debatable is that it's the only belief system on this earth that, that asserts its claim on existential outcomes and truth on the basis of not some kind of founding creed, right? And, and Islam asks you to believe that the angel Gabriel appeared to Muhammad in a cave, a man who was illiterate, and said the word to him, recite. That's what Quran means. And, and said recite and he began writing the thing and remembering the things because he couldn't write. He began remembering the things that he was being re- revealed to him and then was telling them to people that would then chronicle these things centuries and centuries later. Um, and, and then they would divide after his death. They divided up. Um, between two tribes we know them today as sunnis and shias over who had the rightful claim to that um, uh, you know to that legacy who had the rightful interpretations they then began interpret then began uh, amending the amendments these were called hadiths there's not just one there's multiple hadiths right most religions begin this way right right yeah um christianity is the only one that begins with a question based on a fact is it true that a man, a Jewish man named Yeshua of Nazareth, was dead and then on the third day was not? Period or question mark. Then a period, though. That's it. like, the, like there's not like a series of creeds that, that it's not a compound sentence. If we were diagramming, the, if we were diagramming the key claim of Christianity, like when you had to diagram sentences when you were a kid and you hated it, right mm-hmm. on the chalkboard. This would be the easiest diagram ever: subject, predicate, period. Was Yeshua of Nazareth... Was, was a Jewish man named Yeshua of Nazareth, crucified, dead, and then was he alive on the third day? Question mark. That's it. That's it. Did that occur? Did that happen? If it's like a choose your own adventure book, if yes, if your answer is yes, turn to this page. If your answer is no. Stop reading, right? Right. So, if your answer is yes, then you go to the other creeds and moralities and 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 uh, exegetical thoughts and philosophical meanderings. You go to those things if the answer is yes. If the answer is no, though, it's a dead stop. You don't go anywhere else.
1: You're talking about the actual big bang. Yes. A- Nothing
0: else that's that right. you talk about that's right.
1: will ultimately make sense. That, that's 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 exactly you right. Yourself to this.
0: Yes, and so if you call yourself a believer, what makes you a believer is that you acknowledge the truth of the ultimate fact of history—that God sent His Son to make the universe right, and He did. And then to prove one final time that he was the son of God or Emmanuel, God with us. He conquered death and walked out of that grave after setting it right. It is accomplished. It is finished, right? his final words. After setting it right, um, he then walked out of that place like a boss, like it never happened. And dropped the mic. That's what you believe. You can't get around that. If you don't believe that, you're not a believer, right? Right. But if you do believe that fact occurred. To me it's very difficult even even though we are so often tempted and I am even though we're so often tempted to do so we are it's really difficult to embrace hopelessness. Not as I'm whining, not as I'm you know I'm 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 depressed or I'm upset, but I mean like as a as a value, as a belief. It's hard to it's hard to lay claim to hopelessness if you believe God loved his people so much he reduced himself to their form to live with them, like them, suffer the way they do, endure the trivialities of human existence. God left paradise to do that. Then was tortured, murdered, and then walked out of that tomb like it never happened. Really hard if that's really the... the The cornerstone of your belief system. Hopelessness can be a temptation. It can even be something maybe we even wallow in at times, right? Sure. But can it be a value? Can it be uh, a, a, an, an ideal? No. So to, that's a long-winded way of answering your question. Yes, there's time. You know how we know there's time? Because we have time right now. Now what we don't know is how much more time we have, Right? Do we have 10 years? Do we have 10 minutes? Do we have 20 years? Do we have 20 seconds? That we don't know. But the fact that we're here having this conversation on a platform of this magnitude to an audience of this size indicates that it's not too late.
1: So the question is, Gandalf, ours is to do, but to do with the time that we have. What's, What's step one? And step one in a right now, don't wait another second, because that I think is undeniably where we live.
0: I, I think just like step one of a of a conversion is the acknowledgement of the fact that Yeshua of Nazareth walked out of that tomb, right? That's that's step one, right? of of a conversion that's step one you have Mm -hmm. to the acknowledgement of that that he is Lord I think step one of this deconversion I guess we'll call it is that okay sure I think step one of that is acknowledging what we just shared with you this is real I mean the book's not real it's a character I created that's not the point that's not what I mean okay but on a meta level the reason this is hitting home is because this poop is real man this is going down. and we, I think it's time now. We have, we have for so long tried to find ways to redefine what we think and believe, put it in terms that are more polite and less offensive. Man, I, I kind of think it's time now just to let it hang out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think I think step one is we need to say things like that's evil. What's going on right now with the one percent and the hedge fund crowd and the oligarchs on Wall Street? It's not corrupt. It's not elitism. I mean, it is those things, but those are the symptoms. Right? Yeah. Your, your loss of taste and smell isn't the issue. COVID nineteen is. That's what caused it, right? Yeah. Stop, stop attacking the symptoms. Start naming the disease. That's evil.
1: You're describing the year in review of Dave Portnoy in many respects. He did it with Fauci, COVID, and lockdowns. He's doing it right now with these hedge—he's having eyes to see and ears to hear. We know what this guy does and thinks about a lot of other things, but he's just calling, wait a second, These people should
0: all be in jail. Yes. In his worldview, that's his way of saying, this is evil. Exactly. Yeah. Hour two is next. Stay tuned. We are back with our two live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, sans Aaron McIntyre, who is enjoying, I hope, his honeymoon. He'll return next week when we get back to Iowa and we'll be in our regular digs. Uh, This week we're down here in Dallas at the Posh Blaze Studios. Uh, I know you were getting on me about this yesterday when I mentioned uh, Brooker's Founding Flavors, the new super chunky ice cream. Sure. That we're talking about on the show, because how much of it have you had a chance to sample?
1: That would be zero.
0: Yeah, and I am usually pretty good about letting you guys gravy train off of me, right? Sure. I mean, you're only here for the, as you say, to. You're only here for the gleanings.
1: That's my whole point of even being employed. <laughs> I have no other reason. <laughs> um,
0: so he's not paid well, folks, but the fringe the fringe benefits are great, right? But um, it, and normally I would have shared a bunch of this with you, except I got sent to my house, and I just. It's not my fault the kids keep eating it. Anyway, that's a lie. but um, I've got it on good authority that Brooker's Founding Flavors just sent a stash of ice cream here to the blaze today. Here to it, it's Dallas. Here, it's here to Dallas. Yeah. And that you're going to get to try it today. All right. So I, I, I just, what's like your favorite ice cream flavor? Like, give me a couple of them because I don't know what they sent. I don't know which ones they sent, but, like, are you... You're not, like, are you a big chocolate guy?
1: No. I'm pretty simple. I like vanilla ice cream with, like, chunks of, like, candy bar chocolate.
0: Oh, yeah. It. So yeah. that's the right balance yeah. for me. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to like this. I just want to get the look. I saw the looks on each of my kids' faces. They they tried it first. And I saw... that they had that look like, okay. Uh... This is really good, right? So, um, I can't see all of you in the audience when you try it, but trust me, it is really good. It is uh, if you're if if you like like death by chocolate kind of cakes. You know what I'm saying? The the chocolate ice cream is essentially the cake batter, frosting, and filling in a death by chocolate cake turned into an ice cream. It, it's the best chocolate ice cream I've ever had. All kinds of other flavors too. I'm not like a huge red velvet cake guy. I mean, I got a sweet tooth, so I don't mind it. But it's not like the dessert. If you I have a sweet options, tooth? yes, that's uh, apparently out there now. If I have like dessert options, it's not like something I n- will choose. You know what I mean? But the the red velvet cake uh, ice cream. I mean, like real. It doesn't taste like a red. It is a red velvet cake. It's literally a piece of red velvet cake with ice cream mixed in, like cake and ice cream at a birthday party. I mean, this stuff is phenomenal. And unlike that Ben and Jerry stuff, which is really good too, but it's all for their own communist causes. Now you get even better ice cream, but it's it's with values and stuff we believe in, all with the historic um, patriotic founding father bent to it, clever names of flavors, uh, and a great assortment of flavors as well. If you want to try it right now, uh, click the Ship Nationwide tab. Click the Ship Nationwide tab, At Brooker's, just like it sounds, B-R-O-O-K-E-R-S, brookersicecream.com. Click on the nationwide or ship nationwide tab. Okay, Valentine's Day coming up. You've done the same old chocolates, flowers. You want to try something different? This is better ice cream than you're going to buy in a store. I mean, this is phenomenal. Brookersicecream.com. All right, let's get to continue on with our conversation. And again, we'd love to know uh, what you think about what we think. Email the show, uh, steve at com. I just got an email from a guy that said, wow, listening to you read uh, the closing words of Nefarious really made me want to go out and buy that book. I just don't want to give Amazon any more of my money. Well, good news. Uh, you can buy it through Premier Collectibles and get an autographed uh, copy of A Nefarious Carol. A Nefarious Plot isn't there yet, but you can get the sequel book, A Nefarious Carol. You can get autographed copies of that without having to go through Amazon if you'd like. Uh, and and the link to that is pinned at the top of both my Twitter page, at Steve Dace Show, and on my Facebook page as well if you just look for Steve Dace. If you've had a chance to read A Nefarious Plot or A Nefarious Carol and you enjoyed those books, uh, please consider going to Amazon and leaving us a five-star review, especially if you don't like Amazon. You know, that's one way you can kind of uh, cheaply stick it to them is to go and promote a book um, uh, and give a positive review to a book whose value is pretty much uh, contradict theirs at, at, at the moment, right? And we've gotten a ton of good reviews for these books. And uh, thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, another where another review we need is for the podcast. If you're a podcast listener, we love you very much. Please show your love for us. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. If you've yet to do these things, thousands of you have already done them, thank you, because the more of those we get, the more the algorithms will help us find more people like you. So that's kind of your way Uh, of helping us help you by helping us promote the show Word of Mouth. So thank you very much for that. All right, we're continuing on. The theme of today's show is evil. What is it? How do we quantify it? What do we do about it? And we're using the final chapter of my book, A Nefarious Plot, which we've been studying on Theology Thursday for a few months now, and now we're at the end of that book. Next week, we'll start the sequel book, A Nefarious Carol. So um, there's no way to have this conversation without spoilers. So if you want to make sure that you get your copy of the book handy, and even if you want to read along with us in each chapter each week, but we're going to be going through some spoilers, uh, go to Amazon.com, get your copy of A Nefarious Carol, the sequel to A Nefarious Plot, uh, right now, so that you've got it ready to go for next Thursday, for Theology Thursday. But that's our theme this Theology Thursday, is what do we do now? Now that Nefarious has laid it out there, Todd, what do we do next?
1: Well, we talked about hope, but... Here's where our hope is, and it coincides with the deepest evil going on in our times. That that chapter, that paragraph, where he, uh, nefarious, lays out why it is so frustrating to be a fallen angel, why they became fallen in the first place. I the get they're making that, and you lay out he gave you the power. He gave you the power. He gave you the power. One of the great ironies is that humans right now believe. They're the most powerful. They literally believe progressivism, by definition. We're the most powerful uh, force in the universe. We're the people we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. They are right about how much power they have. They're just wrong in the wrong way. they That's the tragedy of what they don't get. And why <clears> stop seeing life, stop seeing marriage, gender as political issues. These are foundational to our reality. The good, the true, and the beautiful. There's our hope. We aren't... We are fallen. We do need saving. That does not mean we aren't remarkable at our core because we are created in the image and likeness of God. So right there, there's our hope. But here living in the you know how much I talk about transgenderism on the show. Not because I'm obsessed with it as some lone isolated issue. The fact that we're here
0: It's the unraveling of the yes. of the first the first basic fact of any human's existence, right? So anytime a human being is born, yes. the first thing that is said about them is what?
1: It's a boy or a girl. That's the
0: first thing. That's the first that's the first identifier of you as a live being. Even preborn, we try to find out what before they're born. Nowadays, what do we often try to do? What what is the what? Do we try to find what is it we want to know? Right? Is it a boy or a girl? Right? What do, it's funny. Right as the 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 at right as the the tranny madness is soaring to new or sinking to new depths. What is one of the most popular trends right now on social media? Gender reveal yes. parties. Right? Okay. So. The the first most basic fact of your existence, it's a boy, it's a girl. Unraveling that unravels existence itself. That's why you're fixated on it. It's, you're not fixated on people struggling with gender dysphoria. Is this a 21st century thing struggling with gender identity and gender dysphoria? No, this has been going on for thousands of years, right what you're what you're fixated on is that we are now manifesting this as a means by which to unravel reality itself yeah. that it's a gateway drug essentially or a rosetta stone to un, uh, to ascend, not not unlatching Pandora's box but then just um, uh, you know just pretending like it never even existed in the first place
1: and to hear those words. I'm glad you put it that way. It's it is the good. It is the true. It is the beautiful. When you are told, it's not binary code. When you're told you're a boy, or when you're told you're a girl, y- you have been given the the map to the stars. I right. mean, you. It is so full right. of ex- meaning and purpose. And destiny. You're, it, it's not just you throwing. That's
0: it. why. That's why there's excitement at that announcement. It's not because um, you're reduced to. Do you have a penis or a vagina? That's not what it means. The, that the the pronouncement of those two things. Is because we now begin to that's the first moment now. It's now now we, we went from the first acknowledgement that you are who you are, that you are, mm-hmm. the first acknowledgement that you are. And then when then when those who when those parents of yours hear those words, or the mother hears those words, that's the first time now that your fate is pondered. Yes. Your destiny is pondered, your potential is calculated. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That's why this is so important. And so hopeful
1: when you have that information. uh, The level of confusion that people have right now, trying to divine their meaning and purpose without that information, thinking they can choose it on their own, you can't help but drift into chaos. Okay, so in terms of understanding that, the me, the me, the me, even for Christians in many, many churches, many even Orthodox churches, yours and mine as a Catholic, on Mm -hmm. its best days depending on where you go, but it's still about, it's always you. you. You put yourself at the center of the universe. I think this chapter is so interesting because you do what the book of Hebrews does, what Deuteronomy does. It, it talks about the history. It lays out the mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. You talk about, I mean, listen, Lord of Farius is the, not- the
0: first martyr, St. Saint, Saint Stephen, a namesake of mine. I was not named after him, mm-hmm. but uh, the first martyr, St. Stephen, he he gives the longest sermon they, they, in the entire New Testament and, exactly. and before he is stoned to death yes but, but what is the majority of that sermon the the connecting of the historical exactly. dots leading to the Messiah right
1: but wh- why is that important Lord nefarious he, he's not just a Hollywood construct he's a fallen angel you talk about the angels you talk about the garden you don't go into the all of the particulars about the first eleven uh, books of the Bible that start off with creation and and end up uh, with Babel. In terms of categorizing human history, there's more human history in the first 11 books of the Bible than there is in the rest of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we think it's almost like a fairy tale. We no, Why is it so important if we're to truly understand our story and our purpose mm-hmm. to get outside of ourselves, to believe in angels, to know the story in Adam and Eve? You spend time on them, not just because you're it's not idle purpose. They're not constructs. Mm-hmm. It's real. Why is it so important to make our story understood through the lens of things that people believe are imaginary right now? Even Christians often do.
0: When, um, when I was, um, when you, you and I were in college at the same time and both at big 10 universities yes. and they were, it was at the dawn of the era of political correctness. Yes. And I, I remember at, at school the first time I had heard that there was a protest about like Columbus day. I'm like, I didn't even, I didn't even know what Columbus Day was. I wasn't Catholic. I mean, I, I didn't even know we had a holiday for. I knew, I knew who he was. We yeah. studied him. I knew the names of the ships. One of the first crafts I made in school as a kid. But you know, I, I didn't know there even was a Columbus Day holiday. Mm-hmm. Okay, let alone that it was controversial, and and there was a there was a lot of debate um, about um, Black History Month at that time too, whether to make it more Afrocentric or to celebrate more people like Benjamin uh, Bannister or. Uh, George Washington Carver or um, uh, Frederick Douglass, you know what I'm saying, or to move beyond that. And and you'd see a lot of um, your, um, your fellow black, uh, your black fellow students on a campus would be wearing a lot like the African pendants. Remember those were really popular in the sure. early 90s and stuff like that. And I, I remember a commercial. Morgan Freeman at that time did a commercial for the Black History Museum. And and the message of that commercial I actually thought was was kind of contradictory to a lot of this let's, re, let's reject, let, let's, let's go from black to African-American to let's just not even be American. Let's just go total Afrocentric here, right? I kind of took his commercial for the Black History Museum to be like a repudiation of that because the message of his commercial, I don't remember the tagline exactly, but it was something like if you, if you don't know where you've been, you won't know how far you've come and where you still need to go.
1: That's exactly you know what I'm saying? Right. Oh
0: yes. And that, that that there has to be a starting point somewhere. When does something begin? At the beginning. That's when it yes. begins, right? All right. And so it's hard to know what the proper ending is if you don't know what what the rightful beginning was. And and I felt as it, because the entire point of, of of hell is to create a account a not even a counterculture an alternative reality I mean hell is full of people who skipped right past sociopath you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and and went right in right to um, deeply embedded um, uh, self-delusion, I mean, you hear nefarious, is, Nefarious. he thinks he's Che Guevara. And he is. If you know what I'm saying, okay? Just not the, the Che Guevara who actually lived, but the caricature we are sold in pop culture. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Okay. Um, but he views himself as a freedom fighter. I mean, he, he views his master as a whistleblower. Hey, I, I was trying to do the old man upstairs a favor and pointing out what an error you guys were. You know, why am I getting busted? You know, the first murder in the world was who? Cain and, Abel. Cain and Abel. What now what transpired before that murder? One son brings an offering to God that that he's willing to bring. The other son brings the offering to God that God that he thinks God would want. Meaning one person offers God the worship he's willing to give and the other son offers God the worship he thinks he deserves. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, God-centric versus me-centric. That's
0: right. The, and God honors the God-centric one. This creates jealousy with the other son. That enmity is what leads to the murder, right? I'm drawing a total, complete parallel that that, that, that it's not a coincidence that that was the motivation for the first murder in the world because that is hell's motivation for, the, for why they hate and want to destroy us. They view us as the Cain, as the other brother, that that has replaced their that re that replaced them in, in prominence and was granted we're the baby brother who was given things that mom and dad when they were older and tougher back in the or younger and tougher as parents would have never given the older child. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's an it's a tale as old as time. And I thought it was important if unbelievers picked up this book, I thought that I needed to answer as much as I could without Taking you don't first of all don't be very reserved and restrained in the amount of creative license you take with the word of God, right? Okay, but you know when Milton wrote Paradise Lost, he felt like he had to fill in some gaps. Now he tried to do it the best he could, and in honoring of the text and the source material, right? But but there's more. There was more. He thought there was more of a narrative that he had to tell beyond just the 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 redemptive tale of Scripture itself. That's what I tried to emulate with this book, and I thought to do that. That that hell needed uh, needed its own arc of history from Genesis to Revelation, and so I tried to yeah. provide a reader's digest version of that, but from the upside down, from the other side of the looking glass. Yeah,
1: God wants you to understand you, but you can only understand you if you understand us. One of the a great movie is Amistad, underrated. By Steven Spielberg, and at the end, when John Quincy Adams is trying to free a slave, he's speaking to the bust of his father, now dead, John Adams, and he says to everybody, in terms of he's trying to create the arc of American, early arc of American history there. But he says, and uh, by uh, Anthony Hopkins, "Who we are is who we were, were. Yeah. And, uh, and now history is just stupid, dead, old, cancerous white men. You, you, you're destined to futility." As an individual identity you will go to chaos right you mentioned how personal it is with the i'm glad you did i was going to ask about this anyways but you you start off with Job. Job. you start which is arguably the oldest book ever the oldest written account that we think we
0: can trace back to yeah
1: adam and eve but i want you i want you to go a little further about what you said because every our faith is now so so personal so personal well if you really want to stand personal understand the grudge of the devil, mm-hmm. a fallen angel and his angels. When you say in the book, "My ma- when Nefarious says, my master has been planning this for a long, long time. The the grudge aspect of this, how personal is this for the devil and the fallen angels? Because I don't think you could truly understand the nature of sin. These Again, these are not just constructs this is a personal hatred of you faith Mm -hmm. will not make sense until you understand that
0: now before i answer this let me give a disclaimer and this this goes for every answer that i've given all right i'm speaking solely and specifically about my own work as it relates to my own understanding of a biblical worldview okay i am not Speaking as with some kind of apostolic calling, I, I'm not adding a layer of tradition to. to you know, I'm not doing. I, I want to make sure perfectly clear. Yeah. Okay. I'm just. This is just my own understanding, and you're as a layman, and I'm and I might be wrong, and so feel free to tell me if you think that I am. But but I I really thought we needed to understand the answer to the question that you just asked that it had to be answered because I have, I'm, you know, no matter how many times I've studied the Bible, I have answers to questions or I want answers to questions like why do demons, why does hell keep fighting if they've read the book too? Why, what, what's their point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does it make, then, then I mean, what, what are the, what's the end game for them? I, I felt like it had to be, and that's my great disappointment with the left behind books as much as I have read every one, and, and you know that franchise has been extraordinarily successful and th- the one weakness in the books is it the antichrist began to feel like it was like a ro- it began he went from Darth Vader to 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 Dark Helmet you know what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. if you get the pop culture reference yes, I i'm do. making that at the beginning you could see how this ominous figure arose from these extraordinary circumstances to grab an iron to, to lay claim to an iron grip around the globe, right? Right. You get to book three or four, and you're you're like, this. Who's following this? Yeah. I mean, this is this isn't James. Er, I, I don't, I'm no longer hearing the voice of James Earl Jones when Nikolai Carpathia speaks. I, it's like he's. It's like I'm watching Rick Moranis portray the character. It's yeah. it's a lampoon. I don't believe. I I don't believe. Like, like the, the more his power grows, shouldn't the more foreboding and ominous and dominant the character become? Instead, you start feeling like, well,
1: he's kind of playing with us now, but he's got a round of 18 to go play. Yes. He's got many, many irons in the fire. That yes. he, no, no, this is his obsession.
0: Yes. I mean, this is being was created by the enemy. And molded by the enemy for the fulfillment of this moment, and now we're making it just seem like he's just some other, you know, like random politician who's a victim of circumstance riding the wave. No, he created the wave, the surfboard, and then the people that would allow him to to surf on it. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's because there's a fear within Christian writing and Christian entertainment that I think over the last few years we have overcome. But but um, I think there's a fear. Of honestly portraying evil, and I think it's a legitimate fear. It's a fear of honestly portraying evil, because until Luke Skywalker got his powers, didn't you think the Empire didn't you think Tie Fighters were cooler than X Wings? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Didn't Darth Vader's oh, didn't he sound cool in that suit? You know what I mean? Sure. That, but but didn't George Lucas model them after the Nazis? That's why they're literally yeah. called Stormtroopers. Yeah. You know what I'm because of the of of the the wretchedness in our own hearts we don't need much encouragement man to jump on our our icarus uh uh, ship and fly too close to the sun you know what i'm saying we are we're already doing that as a species and i think within christian writing and thought there is a fear of honestly portraying evil that and paul warns about this in the new testament hey when you're when you're help- helping somebody struggling in sin, be careful you don't succumb to the same one when you're surrounded by it all the time, right? right? I think there's a fear of making it so enticing that, um, and 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 therefore we reduce evil to something that's one dimensional. Mm-hmm. The you know, the, right. the the snidely whiplash. I'll tell you my plan, you know. And I wanted to get beyond that. And I I th- I thought that, but I thought in order to do it though, so that I would not write a book that in the end would end up glorifying this, that I had to then let the, de- we talk about the, the, the old uh, um, line um, from Spurgeon, let the lion out of its cage, right? That I felt like we had to let the deceiver out of its cage. So at, and early in the book, you feel like, yeah, I'm kind of liking this too. But then it begins to take a turn and it gets darker and darker and darker and darker and more vile, more vile, more vile. And, and so I thought the the way to, to avoid the temptation of, of making hell seem um, uh, appealing was to show it honestly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Was to was to take the condom off and let. I mean, we're going bareback. Let's do this. All right. Let, 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 let everybody know. Let, let's let it all out. Let's let it all hang out, man. All right. I mean, we're we're you know yeah. This is the night you're going to the Turkish prison. I mean, we're gonna see it all, and we're not holding anything back. And I thought that the the, the personal grudge that drives this—you replaced us. You are the flaw we always warned you were. And then how would how would a how would a satanic figure or how would hell justify their actions of tempting us? It's they would ju- they they wouldn't view it as coercion. They they wouldn't view it as entrapment. They think they're whistleblowers. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, they think that they're doing the community a service by pointing out, hey, look, hey, I know we're the ones that planted that really attractive naked woman in the pastor's bedroom when his wife was at the retreat, right, and got him drunk, right, and so he lost his faculties and then left him alone with this woman, all right, I know we're the ones that did that, but look, look, look what happened when we did. Look what happened when we did. Look what he did when he did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right? That, they think that's they think this is an act of heroism, but it's because it's driven, in my view, it is driven by a pure, unadulterated hatred for us, replacing them at the top of the food chain. Like, like as I was writing this, I could imagine... As when they read Paul say in the scriptures, we were made higher than the angels. Like I, I could imagine the seething, yeah, at the, at that notion. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, we were here long before you. We were here in a time before time, before you knew what time even was, before time was even invented. All right, and you are given satisfi- sat, You're giving satisfactions to cravings we weren't ever even allowed to have.
1: This is why I think a favorite show of both yours and mine lost it, it it it's telling a cosmological yes. biblical yeah tale is scope yep. way back into history and i always wondered every time i've seen it i've seen it all the way through twice why it holds such powerful sway over me but when jacob and the man in black talk and they're they're talking about the don't game, you know how
0: much i hate you he says that's it's yeah. just
1: it, it's the center yep. of yes all six seasons
0: yes yeah,
1: and that's what you're talking about
0: that that's exactly right and
1: it's oh go ahead yeah
0: all right, let me mention really quick here before we get to the bottom of the hour. Um, you don't have to be sitting at home right now struggling with pain from inflammation. I've done it. I've been there, getting up there in years now, into my 40s. Now, I'm not talking about an injury. If you've got an injury, go seek medical help, right? But if you've got that inflammation it gets worse as we get older, especially now this time of year, if you've been inactive and you're like, all right, it's January, new me, got to get active, got to work out. Those muscles have not gotten to work out in a while. Atrophy sets in, soreness sets in, soreness sets in you want a product like Omega XL, Todd can tell you, this was one of the things I brought with me on this trip. All right. It's a daily part of my regimen. uh, And it's backed by 35 years of clinical research, all natural formula that will neutralize the inflammation and attack the inflammation that's causing your, your pain. So whether it's stiff joints, muscles, uh, whether it's the neck, um, it's the knee, your back, for me, it's a its a hip flexor issue. Um, I, I use Omega XL. That's the best endorsement that I can give it, is I use it too. And I take it with me everywhere I go. If you want to give it a shot to get started, order Omega XL right now, get a bottle, and then they'll give you a second bottle for free. So buy one, get one free right now when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve, just like it sounds, OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or you can give them a call, 800 844 4888, that's 800-844-4888. All right, we've got about a minute here. Let, let's tease where you want the conversation to go next.
1: Well, I'm going to pick up with Lost again because where Lost ends up...
0: We're going to find out how many Theo nerds are in this audience yeah. today.
1: Where Lost ends <laughs> up in that final episode and the frustrations people had with it have a lot to do with where we go from here and how we have to overcome years upon years of resentments, even when we're close and we're ready to accept Mm -hmm. that final leap of faith. Mm -hmm. It's tough and loss shows us how people reacted to loss,
0: show us why. All right, we'll get into that. One more segment to go. The theme of our show today, Theology Thursday, evil. What is it? What do we do about it? One final conversation along those lines when we return you know we all know the detrimental impact of too much screen time for the kids whether it's content online uh, the shortening of the attention span the loss in creativity so we need better ways for our children and grandchildren to use their own downtime that's why we want to tell you about annie's kit clubs they've got the perfect subscription for both yes Boys and girls, they are a heteronormative company. Uh, They have the Young Woodworkers Club for the guys, a monthly subscription that puts real tools in your child's hands uh, and and will help them with an all-in-one woodworking kit with the materials and tools that they need, your son's need, to make an awesome woodworking project with minimal supervision. And then for the girls, Annie's Creative Girls Club sends two fun craft projects every month, complete with easy-to-follow instructions that will kickstart her creativity through painting, beading, and more. Help your kids develop actual skills and master real-world building or new crafting techniques while expressing their creativity at the exact same time. Makes a great gift idea as well. Go to Annie's uh, Kit Clubs, plural, Annie, N-N-I-E. Go to Annie's annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. Save 75% off of your first shipment. That's Annie's annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. Save 75%, practically giving it away, off your first shipment. I also want to make a correction from something I said earlier. I said that we were, that Paul references that we were made a little higher than the angels. He actually says a little lower than the angels. I confuse this, my bad, with when Paul talks about the fact we will judge angels, all right? So I, I conflated those two, all right? So I wanted to make the correction. My, my general point still stands, that Paul makes it clear in the New Testament that we are higher, high, we, we, are, we, are, we are further higher up the hierarchy in the creative order than angels are. But the, the the quote that I used was incorrect. So I just, I wanted to correct that. People are searching for it before uh, I got flooded in my inbox. Cause one thing you guys are good with is when I make a mistake, you all let me know about it. And that's good though. That makes sure I keep coming. Correct. All right. So Todd, we've got yes about 15 minutes left here. As we wrap up the theme of our show today, evil. What, where do you want to make sure? Sh- what do you, what do you want to make sure we touch on in the time we have remaining?
1: well you use romans in the or nefarious even goes through romans and one of the, uh, one of the parts of romans romans 1 in particular is the telling us god tells us you, you you are created to know the truth you can't not know you are without excuse and i think going back to lost why people pagans were so tapped into it the angel—it had its own angels. It had its own creation story. Mm-hmm. We love. We we want to know the grand tale. We we want to get out of our selfishness. But then at the end of that thing, it ends up. It's it actually takes place in a physical shir- church. Mm-hmm. But it's the whole point of this whole thing is this island. It was you were broken. You needed to come here. You it. This was as the church is a hospital for sinners. Mm-hmm. Lost told the truth about the faith that you and I share, Steve. And that, that, that's the last hurdle, we, even if we do get the cosmic tale, to then put yourself in that camp. And that's that last leap of faith you need to take, parking yourself in that, that brokenness that needs to be healed through love in this day and age for us to be truly hopeful and to know what to do next. We've got to embrace that. We've got to hug this cactus, as Mel Gibson once said. And we <laughs> hate doing it. So, so why is it uh, so important that the, he, nefarious, starts with Romans? Because that's where that's really going. That le- that level of rejection of fundamentally the great gift God gave us, and how we keep, even if we get. A little closer we'll reject a ton of truth just to deny that fact that we belong in church and what church fundamentally is a hospital for sinners
0: I think it's um, well one and and we skipped over that part when we read it at the beginning Correct. because it we wouldn't have had the time exactly. to get through it but but in in the final chapter nefarious takes the reader through basically a an exegetical Bible study of chapter one of Romans. And for those of you that don't know, in chapter one of Romans tells the story of what happens when, when God removes his restraining hand against evil in a culture. When, when we are so rebellious that we are essentially now ingrates, you know what I'm saying? Like he's not even going to try to defend, to protect us. He's not even going to try to discipline, discipline us anymore. Because we're beyond disciplining. And so at that point now, it's just you need to confront and face the full consequences of your actions. And the reason Nefarious loves Romans 1. And um, a buddy of mine is a Christian comedian named Brad Stein. Mm -hmm. And and Brad has a routine that he used to do. I don't know if he still does. Where he talks about how if Catholics see Mary everywhere, Protestants see the devil everywhere. And he, and he talks about how, oh, oh man, I got uh, the devil's after me. I got fired from my job. And he's like, uh, no moron, uh, you showed up late three days in a row. Never called in or offered a reason for why you were late. You did this. You, he it's his version of Dave Chappelle's. You played yourself. Mm-hmm. But he's just doing it from a biblical perspective, right? That's what Nefarious is doing. Nefarious is pointing out that Romans one is 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 Paul's version of Dave Chappelle's, or or. Dave Chappelle's You Played Yourself is his version of Paul's Romans 1. That, that, and, and that also revolutionized. When I was first starting out, when I moved from sports to news talk, and I'm really now getting serious about my faith and the renewing of your mind that Paul commands us to engage in, no, no realization more transformed the way I do this show than Romans 1. Because I had been operating under the premise, hey man, if, 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 if we loosen these restraints, if we go down these roads, you know, we're begging the judgment of God. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That it was a cause and an effect. Um, no, the, the, the fact we're doing these things is the judgment. It's an effect with a cause. When I read that paradigm shift in Romans 1, man, I remember closing the book and I'm like, whoa. So it's not like God is like keeping score. And when we, when we, and, and there's a running tally of, of, a, of our sinfulness as a species. Right. And when we reach a certain threshold, then he's like Popeye. Okay. I just, I can't take no more. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And he just takes his belt off and loses his temper right. and punishes us. Well, that's kind of how my dad operated and so we often project mm-hmm. our own fathers upon god right mm-hmm. i assumed that's how he acted when i realized the fact that these things were being permitted within god's sovereignty to occur was 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 not incurring the wrath of god but was the wrath of god when god is like you know what i just you're just going to have to learn all these lessons the hard way so burger king it is have it your way you are exactly, I, that, that blew my mind. Yes. That that blew my mind. And it totally changed the way that I that I was doing my show at the time. And it, it, it's continued on to this day.
1: For more mind blowing, you are actually describing exactly the Catholic notion of excommunication. This is not and we've talked this is in the news, net, Joe right. Biden, and what he's doing. Right. It, it's it's not looking under every rock and just settling scores it's ultimately recognizing what you do to yourself yes it, 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 the, yes. it the church is simply recognizing the it, math and 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 later on
0: and i think i think it's in is it it's somewhere else in romans where paul says the wages of sin yes. is death yes it put that into further context yeah. for me as well because we view god as um as a sin punisher. Yes. And he's just waiting around to level us. But then we read through the scriptures and we re- see all these troubled people and all these broken people, all these immoral people that we're naming our children after. Yeah. yeah. Right. How many kids are walking around named after David? Right. Who. My dad. Who, 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 was, who became dad. so. Uh, yeah. I, who became so passive. That when his daughter was raped by her brother did nothing about mm-hmm. it and it nearly split his kingdom in half, he nearly lost everything, nearly plunged the entire kingdom of Israel into civil war over this with Absalom, right? And yet we're naming our kids after this guy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How do we reconcile these things? I mean, how did David not reach the crescendo where God takes his belt off and says, that's enough? I mean, how many more trips does Samson take to the Canaanite uh, red light district? You know, before the Canaanite bunny ranch, mm-hmm. before God's like, okay, we just, we, I, I just, I, I can't have you, um, you know, uh, making any more jawbones of asses here. You're just not good enough. I mean, how do we reconcile those things? It's not the penalty of sin is death, it's that the wages of sin is death. What is a wage?
1: Something you've earned.
0: Something you've earned. So, Samson, we know as a hero. Because his final act was heroic, right? Right. The plunging of the temple of Dagon, the fish demon um, of the Canaanites into the dirt, right? Okay. What condition was Samson in when he did that? Blind. He was blind. Why was he blinded? Because of all those times he had fallen into his impulses, made him vulnerable to those people, Right. right? And that was the penalty that they extracted on him. Meaning that, if Samson had never gone to those brothels, if he had not married one of their women, if he had not exposed himself this way, would he have been blinded? No. 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 It's not the penalty of sin is death, but the wages of sin is death. Now, Samson's sinfulness didn't stop God's sovereign plan, and God still used him in a tremendously mighty way. But on an individual level, did Samson pay a price for his sins? Yeah, it, it cost him his sight. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I think that also revolutionized my thinking. The wages of sin—it's the wage. It's what we earned. We have received our reward in full. You—you you wanted this. You—you you asked for this. You—you yeah. you thought the juice was worth the squeeze. Now you're saying you don't that you don't want it. Well. I, how how am, how is it God's fault he he let you have what you said you wanted right right even though he warned you then this, now this isn't now the devil has his own spin on this he doesn't warn you ahead of time that this is bad for you and then and then lets you have your freedom right he tells you it's good for you then lets you have your freedom knowing full well that it will destroy you right that's sure. the monkey's paw that's the devil and Daniel Webster that's the cautionary tale. That's, that's the devil's spin on this. God says this is not going to work. It's bad for you. And I would hope that you would trust me enough, given the amount of love and, and faith I have shown in you uh, up until this point in time, that you'll take my word for it and in faith return to me, you return faith back to me, you won't do these things. Okay? But, but so he warns us and then gives us freedom. The devil tempts us with a bastardized view of freedom.
1: Speaking of that bastardized view, This is where I want to close. All
0: right, let's do this as a tease. All right, I've got one more live read. That'll be a good tease, and then we'll do that. All right. And then we'll go to your final, um, the final issue that you want to raise. All right. So we already just talked about uh, Annie's Kit Clubs. uh, Physical health is a big thing right now as well. Um, eh, (laughs) Stress, (laughs) is it a stressful time that we live in? I mean, that can cause a lot of issues with your health. A lot of Americans uh, don't get the whole foods, the fruits and vegetables that they need on a daily basis. First of all, it's not cheap to buy that stuff. You got to go to the store a lot. What if we made it more convenient for you? That's what Field of Greens does. Packed with 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables. Uh, It's like having a a batch, a bunch of fresh fruits and vegetables for you right there in a jar. Uh, Simply mix it in with any water-based drink. Uh, and you're good to go. Uh, it helps you support heart health, immune, your immune system, metabolism, blood pressure, digestion, uh, because it's got pre and probiotics both. So it takes just two seconds to make the difference in, um, in, in preemptively, proactively making sure you're as healthy as you can possibly be. So go to BrickHouseSteve.com, get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code STEVE at checkout. That's BrickHouseSteve.com, 15% off your first order with the promo code STEVE at checkout. Easiest, fastest way to start living a healthier lifestyle. Has multiple flavors too, all right? So uh, I've, I've drank uh, the, the green stuff. We've got the red stuff at the house now. I've not had a chance to try it, so I'm looking forward to that. BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code STEVE. Uh, again, BrickHouseSteve.com, dot com promo code Steve.
1: Well, once Nefarious realized that his frustration with America is the thing that he had to turn against him, fr- freedom. He had to turn freedom into license. Mm-hmm. And if you ask a lot of Christians these days, the ant- what would they re- how would they respond to? Are people basically good? Mm-hmm. You and I both know that the wrong answer would be given. That seems to be yes. at yep. the guts of this. Yes. So, whether it's two, three, four. What are your rapid fire recommend? What must the church do right now to di- disabuse so many Christians of this fundamental misunderstanding about our place in the universe, in relation to good, before it's too late?
0: I, I think we need to unravel the conflation that, uh, between is human nature basically good, to the high value placed on humanity in and of itself. The paradox, yeah. Yes. What's happened in, in too often in Western Christianity the 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 church in, in, the church grew in cultural influence now it, it grew in spiritual influence because it, that's the charge of Christ now, the gates of hell will not prevail against it right right I mean China right now you have a better odds of getting uh, born again in China than you do in um, in almost anywhere in America. Now you won't have any cultural influence likely. Right? Right. But you'll be regenerated. I mean, your life will change. You'll be revolutionized. Where the church grew in cultural influence is when the church was able to explain to to the culture the paradoxical natures of existence. That God is both imminent and transcendent. It's not an either or. It's an and also. That your nature is bad. Your desires are bad. What you instinctively want and will do is not good. But because of the high worth that you and I have being with the spark of divinity put on us, that imago day being made in the image of God. All right. Because of that, God wants to salvage that potential in you through a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Yes. The tension, the paradoxical tension of these things where I'm totally depraved, but at the same time, God thinks I have so much value that if it was just me, if I was the only sinner that was totally depraved, Jesus still would have done what he did, right? Yes. We have abandoned. We've abandoned the intellectual heft and gravitas of these paradoxes in the church today. We have reduced this to a series of talking points. We've reduced this to a life lesson. We have reduced this to um, a limerick. Something that I feel is that that, that I can easily grasp. We've assumed people are dumb, have short attention spans. Maybe they are, but that's exactly why they need this message. Return to the intellectual paradoxical nature of our faith. That would be my one recommendation. Good start. That'll do it for today. We are back again tomorrow. Until then, John 317.